Hello, my name is Claire and you are listening to the Hypno Birthing Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast. I hope that you're doing good. This is the second episode of the most recent season, which is season seven. And today I have welcomed on my first guest of the season. I spoke to Sophie, who is a previous listener of the podcast, and she came on to share her birth story. Um, really interesting story. Sophie had a private midwife as well throughout her uh, kind of prenatal uh, birth and then postnatal care as well, which I thought was really interesting. So we chatted a little bit about her decision to hire private midwives and the reason for that and whether she found that beneficial and kind of how it worked. And then she talked us through her amazing home birth, which sounds lovely. So thank you so much, Sophie, for coming on and sharing your story. I hope that you guys enjoy listening to it. I will play it for you now. So hello, Sophie. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Would you please introduce yourself to everyone? Hey, yeah. So I am Sophie and um, my baby girl, who is now almost eight months, is Otty. Um, and I live in South East London. Lovely. Thank you so much. And yeah, she's she's almost eight months, which is kind of like a nice little age. They start to really have their own little personality don't they when when they get to that point and definitely um, liven up a little bit which is nice yeah it's so nice I think it's like every stage is better than the last because you get more back from them which is actually lovely (laughs) it's so nice isn't it yeah when they start giving you some stuff back it's definitely nice um okay so you're here to share your birth story which is great I'm really excited to talk to you about it what was it that got you interested in hypnobirthing in the first place had you heard much about it did you have friends that had done it what was it that made you interested yeah so I think I had um I had a couple of friends who had been had babies just before me and they had both done um hypnobirthing courses and that was one of the sort of like essential items that they had on their list um and it was to be honest before I got pregnant I hadn't I hadn't really heard of hypnobirthing and any kind of the content it was all totally new to me so it was a really worthwhile thing to do and I think from there the course was like the stepping stone to me then being even more interested if that makes sense yeah yeah it does yeah because I think you you we kind of go through life don't we like before we've had children or before we think about having children and you kind of think you know sort of like a bit about birth you just from things you've heard and things you've seen um but you don't really pay that much attention do you and then obviously when it's time to actually think about it when you're pregnant and you're like oh gotta get this baby out it opens up like a whole world of information that you just is so logical I always think it's everything that hypnobirthing teaches it's so logical it's just like scientific like fact about everything how the body works and things like that how the mind works that you think oh yeah like of course this is how this is how it works and this is why hypnobirthing you know breathing uh meditation that type thing is so important because you can see why why it works and so many people are like you like they they do a course or they might even just kind of listen to some podcast episodes or read a book and that's it then they're they're hooked and you know they want to find out as much as possible about 
birth from that point which is always good definitely <laughs> I think as well like um so I I watched it all with my husband all of the sort of episodes and he and, and myself as well but I think it was really nice for him to understand like the kind of biology of it all <laughs> yeah. maybe that's not the right word but actually like I think the thing that got me so hooked on it was that you could be in control of your own birth and I think up until then I just really had thought it was luck you either got yeah. lucky had a really good birth or you got unlucky and had a rubbish one <laughs> and yeah. I just thought it was that simple and yeah and then I kind of realized oh actually <laughs> there's so much I can do to prepare for this birth and then yeah I I, I went for it <laughs> yeah no I mean that's yeah that's such a good point as well of course we probably do think you hear a good birth story probably a lot of people do think oh well you know you were you were lucky I actually think that's one of the reasons that people don't often share positive birth stories as much like we always hear the negative birth stories don't we but people don't share the positive ones as much because I think there is an element of you worry that people will be like oh well you know you just you just were lucky with your experience but actually you know not every single birth that's positive has to be positive on paper you know they can be messy still they can involve different types of interventions and things like that but still be incredibly positive so it isn't yeah it's not anything to do with luck it is it's preparing and um you know decision making as best that you can the whole way through I think um which is obviously what hypnobirthing teaches um so one thing that I want to talk before you start to tell us about your story is I want to talk to you about the fact that you made the decision to hire a private midwife and I think that's really interesting and I haven't as far as I can remember had anybody on who has made that decision particularly somebody from the UK possibly there may be someone from the US who has but that's a whole different uh, kind of system the way that it works there so what was it that made you do that because that is quite a big I imagine that's quite a big investment and quite a big kind of commitment um to make so what was it that that made you go down that path yeah so it wasn't again it wasn't something I thought about until I got pregnant and I think so I was really really set on a home birth and this was something I had thought about before I got pregnant and I think probably I was influenced by my mum so my mum had my siblings at home um, oh, I wow. was born in a hospital because I was a twin um, ah. <laughs> and I think back then it wouldn't have been <laughs> the thing to have done no. um, but yeah my two other siblings were born at home and I was there and oh, my wow. mum had amazing births yeah do you remember um, it do you remember any um, of I it ca- I can I wasn't there for the actual birth I was just we were in the house um, my mum had um like labored through the night so we were asleep but we woke up and um you know they'd been born and um yeah it was so nice uh, yeah really (laughs) nice and there's sort of quite a big age gap between like eight nine years between myself and my siblings so I was that bit older you know I wasn't two three years old but yeah and and my mum has always really talked really positively about her birth and I just thought that was something I really liked the sound of so I started doing my homework around how I could have my baby at home and our local um like hospital uh which is Lewisham I had a chat to them and my community midwife to kind of say you know this is my plan and who do I need to speak to and I ended up having conversation with the home birth team and 
I think as a result of COVID and so many other factors, but um, the home birth team, um, basically, they, they're they not able to get out to all of the home births they need to because of understaffing, mm. uh, which I think is like a global or at least, uh, sorry, a national um, issue. Yeah, it is, um, definitely. But I just kind of thought, that wasn't really a risk I wanted to take. So they said it was somewhere between 15 and 20% of home births were called in um, at the time. And I just thought that was too high a chance. And obviously I was prepared to go into hospital if I needed to. And I was like, I actually thought I probably would end up giving birth in hospital because you know what it's like. Everyone says to you, <laughs> oh, you'll probably be called in. You'll probably want an epidural. You'll probably want this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I had my bag packed. Like I was very ready for hospital birth, but I really, really wanted to home birth. So I was like, right, I don't feel like this is the best option for me in terms of using the NHS home birth team just because of that risk. So I started exploring the private route um, and I came across our midwives. Um, I'm sure they won't mind me referencing their business because it's all good. They're called Your Neighbourhood Midwives and they're based in South, they like service all of South London. And there are two of them and I had like an introductory call with one of them and she just seemed so lovely. And I then really bought into this whole idea of continuity of care. Like just, I love the idea that I would know the people that were helping me birth my baby. I would have like amazing postnatal support, which maybe we'll come on to later, but um, they came to my house twice a week for five weeks. Wow, that's so, amazing. And every day for the first week. So, like, I was so cared for. One of them was a lactation consultant, and I wanted to breastfeed. So, that was also another kind of big pull in terms of um, using them. And yeah, I was just, I think, from that first phone call with them, I was like, right, we have to find the money. Like, this has yeah. to be a priority. Um, yeah. And it was the best money we ever spent. And we all use them for all of our subsequent babies. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. That, like you said, that care afterwards, it's just you can't put into words how much you need that after, like every day for the first week's amazing. And then twice a week for five weeks. Like it's just amazing um, it was to feel incredible. supported. And you're right with the continuity of care. That is something that for, for anyone in the UK, we don't really have that model. Um, I think some places do trial kind of continuity of care models within the UK but not definitely not everywhere and I know that some countries do have that which is obviously great um, and the benefits of having one particular midwife or like two midwives that you see consistently throughout your pregnancy and then that are there at your birth is you know the benefits are massive so having that and realizing that's you know really interesting I don't know whether did you ever watch that um uh, birth time documentary I think I've talked about it on no. actually no I had the I had the the creators of it on to the podcast this was a ah, while ago now okay. um, it's set in um, Australia but it's all about continuity of care and trying to introduce that kind of model into Australia basically into the system there um, but yeah it, it was really interesting again because it shows about the benefits of it and um, I think I might have a link actually in my description box of like how you can find it for anyone that kind of wants to go and watch it because I watched it and it was it was really good so um that's amazing and what sort of week were you when you took them on 
So I I think I wanted to wait as long as possible before um like signing them on. Um, just in case like the baby was breech or something like that <laughs> yeah. and I would have to have a c-section anyway so I was kind yeah. of uh, I think I was like 26 weeks and um, when we kind of it was all agreed and I'm pretty sure that it was from week 30 they maybe 30 or 32 that they started coming to my house once a week um, for up until I gave birth wow. to like get to know me and to go through our birth plan and one of the sessions my husband had to basically learn how to like deliver the baby and get oh, wow. <laughs> kind of really miraculously yeah. quick labor before they could get here and things so um wow. yeah uh I, I probably met them like I don't know six seven times before I'd given birth so did they then take over all of your midwifery care so you then weren't going into the kind of NHS trust for like scans well I guess scans you were but anything else like appointments and things like that yeah so I had the sort of like NHS community midwife who I saw from like what however many weeks it was um and but I spoke to her um when they sort of um I, I think it was around 30 weeks when they were going to take over and sort of said does this mean I can kind of stop coming? And she was like, oh, I've not really had this situation before. Oh, wow. uh, um, yeah, she was kind of like, but she said, that's fine. And if there's an issue, I'll speak to my manager. And if there's an issue, like you'll hear from us, but just kind of like consider it done in terms of our end, um, which um, which was great because obviously otherwise it was just like doing the same thing twice. Um, and then... I had, um, so at Lewisham, I, I don't think this is true everywhere, but at Lewisham you have a 32-week scan, which um, which is quite good. Um, so I had my last sort of scan there, um, and then I gave birth 37 and 2, so a little bit early. Um, but yeah, then it was kind of all, it was all with them. I think, so I had a bit of a unique arrangement, <laughs> which I would advise everyone to also see if they could get, but basically... The private midwives we used had some sort of partnership with Lewisham Hospital, which actually, when I first reached out to them, that wasn't in place. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, I, I really struck um, struck lucky. And they sort of said, look, give us a few months, but we're in conversations with Lewisham. And I think maybe potentially um, other a couple of other hospitals, but definitely Lewisham, around how we can support home births because they're unable to, basically. And so um, they, and I think it was kind of like the first kind of contract they'd ever had like this um, with an NHS hospital. But just in the nick of time, it was all signed. And basically, I think I was one of the first people under it, but it basically meant it was half the price. um, Because what, yeah, what happened was Lewisham basically paid for my home birth with um, your neighbourhood midwives. And I paid for the pre and postpartum care, if that makes sense. Yeah. You couldn't do one without the other. So you weren't able to access this business unless you paid for their total right. package, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was it was this kind of like partnership that they yeah. um that they were trialing. Um so what that did mean though for them, which I think was a bit of a pain, is they had to for every single appointment and for my birth and um all of the appointments afterwards when they came to our house, they had to like double up on all the notes they wrote so <laughs> half went off to the NHS and half they kept 
Now, I think normally, just as private midwives, they would just have their own set of notes that they would keep yeah. if they ever needed it. But for this, it was like a double whammy. So right. and they had to send that all off to Lewisham. And so there was a bit more of a like um, sort of, you know, like mutual arrangement than yeah. I think that ordinarily would have been. I like that. But from what I've heard before, definitely that obviously with some trusts they're you know similar to what you said they are understaffed so might not be able to send out somebody for a home birth or if they're just really busy or something with a lot of home births um and from what I've heard like they are technically they are obligated to send somebody to you um if you were to stay at home and were insistent that you were going to stay at home even though they were telling you had no staff they actually are obligated to send somebody but it could be a paramedic or something like that. But I have heard before of certain trusts using private midwives for that very reason. So if they are understaffed, if they cannot send people out, they should technically have, you know, some kind of yeah. backup, which backup. I think makes a lot of sense. Like that is perfect. That's great for them as well, because it eases up the labor wards in the hospitals. And they also then have less people that they're dealing with. If you'd been in the hospital they would have still been having to you know see to you so you'd have been one extra person so it it eases things up for them and for everybody else because that means there might be another birth pool available for somebody else that might not have been if if you'd gone in or for example you know so I do think it's a great thing to do and I hope lots more trusts start doing things like that because it makes so much sense for everybody involved um not just of course you know the private midwives it makes so much sense for everybody um and I think as well they they are another reason like that it's great for them is they they started their careers in the NHS and they branched out to do this separately because they didn't feel that they were able to give the quality of care and you know the time spent that they wanted to and so their dream scenario is that they could do what they do but for the NHS if that makes sense yeah so I think it's quite these partnerships also are nice in the sense that they are sort of able to do that for you know like this isn't something you should have to pay for to access really I mean yeah yeah. I know in an ideal world I know it would it wouldn't be would it um but I always say and I was saying this at the weekend because I I was teaching and I was saying that actually the UK system has many faults, which I'm sure we're all aware of. But one thing that for, for the most part we're, we're lucky in is that for, for most of the time we can access kind of at home births. Yeah. Obviously, there are some exceptions, as in your case, if they're short staffed or something like that. But there are so many countries where it's just not as easy to if you want to be at home, um, you know, it's not as easy as, as we have it in being able to kind of just select that option basically most of the time for free so we are lucky in that in that respect um that we can access it but yeah sometimes of course there are going to be things that come up in the way you know short-staffed and covid was not helpful either with things like that so um yeah it's good to have backup systems but please do share your story because now I'm just really interested to hear what happened (laughs) okay so um I was 37 so I had to be 37 weeks to have my baby at home (laughs) Um, so I was um I was so done with being pregnant but I was also like I have to make it to 37 weeks I've got this far now 
Um, and I think the moment that hit, my body was just like, I'm ready because uh, one day after, I think I said seven plus one when my waters broke. Um, and I was, I actually thought I was going to be late. It's funny that I think we just think that what happens to our mum is going to happen to us yeah. before we've had kids. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, yeah, it's the only like comparison, isn't it? And you think they yeah. have like a similar like body or whatever. Um, but she was like a 41, 42 weeker. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be late. And I was so sick of being <laughs> pregnant anyway. Anyway, that morning, actually, we had sat. And oh, yes. my midwife had said to me, look, in my opinion, this is the only thing that actually gets the baby out. Amazing. <laughs> it, it's ready, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I was like, oh, my goodness. OK, let's go for it. And <laughs> within two hours, my waters have broken. Wow. Um, yeah <laughs> <So> <laughs> whenever anyone asks me for induction tips now I'm like you've got to you know yeah you've got to get down to it but yeah. um it yeah it was like um around midday um I think it was a Saturday actually yeah because I gave birth on Sunday so it was around midday and it was like the big gush that you see in films and really? my mum's waters had never broken until labor so again I was not expecting this and just like all over the floor in our bedroom which is where we were and I was like oh my goodness it's happening I was so excited and yeah it was lovely that it was a weekend and like husband didn't have to like speak to work and get everything cancelled it was just like we were ready so we had a little plan in place we like called my mom to come we've got two cockatoos and we knew we didn't want them here just they'd be too stressed out yeah so we had this big like plan written down and we were like you know right now is the time so Joe started working his way through that over the day which was like get the dogs away so my mum came and got them I was like euphorically happy because I was in no pain my contractions hadn't started but like I knew it was coming and we were just so excited so I think we opened champagne oh um, I love it we, yeah we it was actually early labor I was like one of the best days of my life Aww. because and because of my hypnobirthing I knew what I had to do so I was like we were playing music um like we got a wagamama's we <laughs> were just I was trying to like just you know get excited basically and um like keep moving um and um just keep active yeah we also called our midwives and we were like this is happening <laughs> and she was like okay but you know we could still be a long way off but keep me updated kind of thing so um joe started like blowing up the birth pool and doing you know all of the items on his long list of things which included which i really recommend we made a carrot cake and which was really nice yeah we nice. wanted to do some baking so that when the baby was born we like to have you know like oh stuff sounds so um, nice like what a nice little really pretty, pretty picture it looks lovely <laughs> it really was it was really it was a really really nice afternoon anyway I think it was around like 30 that evening I started getting contractions which I was also so happy about because yeah. I had friends whose waters had broken and nothing had happened. And, you know, we we then know of, you know, the kind of yeah. process that often follows in terms of induction. So I was like, really, 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 yeah. really was waiting for my contractions. So, yeah, it was great. It was like six hours later and I was just like on my ball. Um, it was super manageable. I think at this stage we weren't even really timing them because they weren't frequent enough. 
but we had that app that's deactivated again for people. Uh, Freya, the Freya app? That was it, yeah. yeah. Um, so Joe was on that. Uh, that was one of his jobs. Um, and so, yeah, it was got to like probably about um, 11 o'clock. And I would say it was like very much um, like early labour. Um, I was probably contracting like every five, six minutes. But like it wasn't that intense. What I was surprised at is like my waters just continued to break. Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. I was like, how is there silver water in it? I know there's so much water, isn't it? I had I had the same with my second. My water went first. And um yeah, like I didn't experience it first time because they went during my my labor, so didn't really notice it. But yeah, I was surprised as well by how much water just and it's quite inconvenient <laughs> because you're trying to like do things and you've got this water kind of just coming out. So oh, yeah, no. it's, it's yeah, yeah there's a lot. Put a pad in, I was like, no, no, this isn't anything a pad no. can handle. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was quite reassuring as well because I knew things were like still progressing if that makes sense yeah. like the constant gushes yeah but, um yeah so I think it got to like probably about 11 o'clock 12 o'clock and basically what I was I had a tense machine because everyone said just get one just in case you fancy using it and I also had a comb yes you know, good, the comb the fashion plastic comb the comb yeah fantastic and I actually found the comb was so much more for me personally so much more effective than the tense yeah. machine um I think the tense machine um I can see why people like it because it's kind of distracting you know it's yeah. like something to focus on but also um I the sensation I just found a bit weird uh whereas a comb it just it it yeah. really like redirects it you've got some more control pain. over that as well haven't you like you can control it but it's really funny because yes. the comb thing has is something that I I mean god my youngest is like five next week so it's been a while since I gave birth but like never knew of it then so I would have loved to have tried it but the amount of people that have said told me about the comb and I'm sitting here at the moment just going through birth stories that people have sent me and so many of them mention the comb (laughs) and I think oh (laughs) it sounds so good I wish I'd known about it but yeah anybody out there listening buy just a cheap comb and use it for pain relief because it's very effective apparently <laughs> definitely and I think that was like with the tense machine you sort of have to like start sort of like gearing it up mm. like as it's coming whereas the comb it's kind of like you in direct control of it sort of thing yeah. I just find it easier to use and um more effective so yeah I basically used that and I was on and off my ball um j- <laughs> He's going to be so mad that I've decided to include this <laughs> in the podcast. But my husband decided to sleep. And whenever I used to listen to these birth stories, of which I was I was obsessed with listening to positive birth stories and watching home birth videos when right. I was pregnant. So I've, I've listened to many. <laughs> but um, whenever I used to listen to them and they'd be like, yeah, my husband was asleep. I'd be like, you are joking. I would be absolutely <laughs> raging if Joe was asleep whilst I was giving birth. <laughs> but I think it had been like, I basically said, you know, I'll wake you up when things get bad. And I felt like I could do it on my own and I was managing. And I knew that it was better that he was rested. So that if this went on for another like 12 hours, he could like do what he needed to do kind of thing. It, You know, I get it. Like it does, (laughs) when you say it, like it does... And I always tell people, I tell people exactly the same as you just said. Like if it's nighttime, you know, and you don't need your partner 
let them sleep. And it sounds awful. And I'm sure like as the birth partner, <laughs> you probably feel like, oh yeah, I was asleep. You probably do feel awful, <laughs> but it, you're completely right. Like you need somebody to be rested because there's literally no point both of you being overtired. Um, and if you don't need them, which you didn't, you were fine. You were on your own. There will come a time when you need you needed him. But if you don't need him at that exact moment, then why not? And it's quite nice to have that like peace as well and kind of be on your own for some of it. Of course, you're not on your own though because you've got your baby as well. Um, but yeah, like you can always wake them up, you know, that's what I always think. So yeah, I get it. It sounds kind of awful, but it's not. It's definitely the best thing to do. Definitely. And actually, like it wasn't, he managed to get like five hours, I think, because, you know, sure enough, oh, I, I was nice. about to wake up. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I kind of laboured through the night, like um, just on my ball. And actually, I tried to like get into bed. And if I had a contraction, I quickly realised that being on my back was so much more painful. I think mm. I, um, so I had a back-to-back labour as well, which was oh, right. lovely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so all of the, all of the pain is basically in your lower back. I did not feel one contraction in my front, um, which yeah. is just so, you know, like yeah. I really hope for my next baby it's not, but so that I can feel contractions like in my yeah. uterus because that wasn't something I ever got to feel. But yeah, so it was all in the back. So I just like couldn't be lying down. I was just like on all fours and stuff. And I was timing my contractions myself. I was really determined not to call my midwives out until I was like at the point where I was desperate. I think, first of all, I'm just a very proud and stubborn person. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't want to be that person that was like, I need you. And they came one centimeter. (laughs) So I was like, I will wait till the last moment. But also, I genuinely didn't feel like I needed them up until the point when I called them. So I was timing my contractions and at one point they slowed right down. I don't know if I was just tired or what was going on, but they'd gone from being like every three or four minutes to every like 12, 15 minutes. And I was starting to think a bit like, oh gosh, like, mm. you know, I hope this doesn't now like peter out. Now, this is the part where if any of my family members are missing, listening, they need to <laughs> literally skip past the next 30 seconds because... <laughs> I had listened to a birth story and this had happened to a lady in hospital and she had basically read somewhere that an orgasm would be the best way to get your contraction. This was was on my my podcast, was it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I remember. And I remember listening at the time and being like, oh my God, that's wild. I couldn't think of anything worse. (laughs) But Josephine, I was like, okay, I need to, like, this isn't going you know in my mind I was a bit like oh no this isn't going well um so just took myself off to the bathroom did what I needed to do and genuinely it worked incredibly within one minute back on track every three minutes came like soaring back that's amazing (laughs) really amazing I think think the lady said she said the same who talked about it before she said the same thing happened yeah so there you go there's another tip for everybody just go and do that (laughs) Um, and yeah, it's not what you want to do in that moment, but you've just got to, you know, mind over matter. I think that was around the point where I like hit transition. Now mm. I look back at it, I realised that at the time I didn't realise that. But oh, okay. I sort of woke Joe up and it basically came back with like a vengeance, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I woke Joe up and I was like, you know, oh my goodness, like they're so much stronger than they were before. Like, and again, still all in my back, but I was like sort of in the shower 
with like the hottest possible shower setting on my back um and I, it was at the point where I was finally feeling like the comb wasn't quite cutting it and mm. I think I needed to call my midwife because I was like something's happening this feels different to what it felt like before so Joe called them up this was around like uh five in the morning yeah. they got here like 20 minutes late well actually first of all just one came who was our primary midwife because she does like an assessment and then if it's like go time she calls the other lady up but I guess they don't want to both waste their time um <laughs> if it's you know a red herring so yeah. uh Leonie came first she was here in like 15 minutes and when she arrived I was like in the throes of it um and she then was like oh Joe, you need to put counter pressure on her back and I was like, why didn't I know this before? <laughs> it was like the best feeling in the world. My contractions were coming and she was like putting all this pressure on my lower back. And it was just, oh, oh my gosh, it was such a relief. And I think if anyone else has been to about spat labor and knows that feeling, like it's yeah. just, oh my God, it was so good. So Joe then started doing that from about five in the morning. And she got here and she was like, I need to examine you. And I was like, oh, I'm so scared. I don't. Like, as I sort of said, if I'm less than five centimetres, I think I need to be transferred because right. I don't know how much more I can take of this, basically. And yeah. also in the knowledge of the home birth, like, your pain relief options are very limited. Yeah. So um, I, yeah, I she, she examined me down here and she was like, you're 10 centimetres. Amazing. You're ready to go. And I was like, oh, my God, I burst into tears. I think it was just the most... <laughs> It was such a relief because yeah. I was like, I've made it, I've done it. Like, yeah. you know, and I actually think the last couple of, the last part of, for me, the last part of contraction, so that like transition part was tougher than the pushing part. And so I I kind of like, I, I felt like I was through the worst of it. Obviously I still had to birth my baby, but like yeah. I was so relieved. And she was then like, now you can get into the pool because, they had, and I don't know if this is like what well, all midwives do, but um, Leonie had said like they like to save the pool for the pushing because you're limited in terms of your pain relief options, and yeah. waiting until this point is often better than going too early and running out of solutions, kind of thing. Yeah, no, um, that is that's good. I would always agree with that as well. In that, don't I always say to people, don't get in the pool to try not to get in the pool too early wait until you're at a point where you do really need it because it is there as a pain relief so if you get in it too early you're not going to feel as much of a benefit than if you wait until you feel like actually I do really need something now and then you're going to feel such a massive benefit from it so yeah that that would be similar thinking I suppose definitely and it was a bit like the gas and air so they they actually collected the gas and air at Lewisham Hospital because of this partnership thing um I think normally they would just like rent it or get it oh, themselves yeah. or something um and actually normally with private midwives you have to pay extra for the gas net but because mm-hmm. we did it through Lewisham one of the, the second midwife came by Lewisham collected the gas and air um and we didn't have to pay for it um Amazing. and so but again I was like when can I have the gas and air and they were like yeah. no 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 like you don't need it enough yet kind of thing so I was like <laughs> okay so got into the pool and oh my god, it was such a relief. I don't oh. think I had appreciated. I just like the idea of a water birth. I didn't realize that the actual water would be like such a pain reliever. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, 
It is, yeah. It really is. So like I got in and just like the heat and everything, it was just, it was lovely. And I then had to be guided a bit through the next bit because I'd been doing all of like my, is it the down breathing and hypnobirthing up until this point. And then I was still doing that in the pool and they were like, like, no, no, like got to change it up a bit. Like think of your hypnobirthing, got to change the breathing now. And basically you need to start pushing. And I actually, I never felt, you know, sometimes you listen to people and they're like, oh, that, like, what is it? What do they call it? That what, um, The ring of fire. Oh, sorry. Ejection so, reflex. The ejection, ejection reflex. reflex yeah. Where people are like, oh, my baby just kind of like, I breathe the baby out and my body just knew what to do. I yeah. didn't feel that. And no. my midwife said to me that it's actually really unusual to feel that for your first baby, apparently. Okay. And much more common with, yeah, because I was like, oh, I thought I just like breathe them, breathe the baby out. And they were like, that's so much more common in, in subsequent birth. Yeah. Because your body does know what to do. But yeah. the first time round, okay. there's a bit sense. more teaching. Yeah, I think so. So I think I didn't, I didn't get that feeling. Mm. And actually they do like, you know, push with the contractions and the contractions felt so different for me when I was pushing versus like when I was laboring those those contractions those contractions you were feeling probably were that pushing yeah 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 (laughs) definitely they were but I think in my head I just felt like it was going to be quicker (laughs) yeah yeah I mean that's true the first time that that second stage first time can be you know it can as you said like your body's never done it before I think from my experience, like first time, I think I was in the pushing stage for like two and a half hours, but second time is literally like five minutes. Like it was, you oh, know, because your so body, reassuring. yeah, 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 because <laughs> your body's done it before. Whereas first time, you, you know, the baby, yeah. the baby comes out a bit and then goes back up and then comes out yeah. of it and then goes back up. Whereas, yeah, second time, I literally like I think her head was born and then, you know, on the next on the next contraction, her. Oh, it was wow. very yeah okay I yeah. look forward to that with my next <laughs> baby but it was so I had almost three hours of pushing right yeah so it was long but yeah. it went by in a flash I remember them saying to me after I gave birth you're pushing for almost three hours I was like yeah so I was like no way like yeah oh, half an hour so for me it didn't feel long but I think that what did feel long was like the heads like so Joe was kind of like fluctuating between like me like my head ends and baby head ends yeah and also um they were like filming it and photos and stuff and so basically I knew what was going on like the head kept coming out like a tiny bit and going back in and then coming out a tiny bit and this was just basically going back and forth back and forth um which was which I think is actually like a really good way to give birth because it's gradual and like you're less likely to tear and yeah you know so like maybe it wasn't such a bad thing but I just remember at the time being like I can't push harder and I'm pushing I'm giving it my all basically but she's not coming and they were just like it's gonna take time and basically what we now know is um so she turns at the last minute oh wow and so yeah and they actually said to me after she was born we really didn't know how she was gonna come out (laughs) <laughs> and they have given birth like bum first to babies before it's all possible basically but yeah. they were nervous about how she was going to come out because we knew that she was back to that and we didn't quite know how she turned and so oh, I wow. think that the reason the pushing took so long was actually as well because she wasn't quite in the right position 
Yeah. Um, and then at the end, and I felt, I, you know, I, I felt it. Um, she twisted round, and um, yeah. and then the last bit was okay. Yeah, the Ring of Fire was horrible, but <laughs> it, it was not as bad as I thought in the sense no. that it was such a small amount of time it lasts for. Um, and you're so close to meeting your baby that yeah. it's like it's it kind of is irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> like, it, there's know. so much going on that you know you don't. You, you can't fully focus on it anyway because there's a lot going on in that moment and it's one of those exactly. things that we do like we you hear about the ring of fire and you you sort of are like oh dread it but actually the reality of it is that actually it's okay like you said it's like not very long <laughs> no it really isn't and I was kind of like I had been asking them for like two hours it's the head out it's the head out <laughs> they were like you'll know like you'll know just you know, <laughs> you'll just know like you'll know <laughs> And I had had some gas in there during the pushing phase, yeah. but they it was very quickly confiscated because they were like, <laughs> you as soon as you are taking that, you your pushing just goes down the drain. So oh. they were like, yeah, which is quite interesting. They were just like, with when you're not on the gas in there, your push is like you're pushing so much harder. Um, oh, so wow. it was kind of like um, I had it, it was taken away a bit, and I was allowed a bit more, but I I was not on it continuously yeah um and it did take you know it does take the edge off um which was it was just nice to have something you know yeah and so anyway then she yeah she turned and she was born and I sort of like pulled her out and onto Mm. me and I was you know they come out looking all squashed (laughs) and funny and and I was just very like is she okay is she okay she didn't cry and they were like and she actually never cried um and they were like yeah she's fine she's very chilled so surreal and I think I was so tired that it was just like you know it feels like a bit of an out-of-body experience yeah definitely Um, does yeah, like is this ha- has this ha- has this actually happened to me? And yeah, you just um, you've birthed a you've birthed a human. Like it's quite you're yeah, it's overwhelming to like look at this baby and be like, hang on a minute, <laughs> I just definitely. <laughs> like, and I think I was not someone that really felt a connection to my baby before she was born. Yeah. So I had lots of antenatal friends that were like, you know, um, kind of loved being pregnant and was chatting to their babies and and felt this kind of thing when they were pregnant and I never really yeah. had that if I'm honest and it wasn't until she was born I was like she's mine this is my baby this yeah. is what's been living inside me so yeah it was a bit surreal at first but it was so nice to be at home we were in our living room and we had the fire on mm. it was January so we had our wood burner on and we had, I had like my lovely playlist for all of the like pushing phase basically and we had candles and Aww. it was just so nice and then she was born and she was actually born at like 10 45 so she was born in the morning mm. but they had like closed all the curtains and things I had no uh, idea what no. it was <laughs> um no. and yeah and then they stayed for like three hours maybe and just like it was all very chill and you know they do all their chats Aww. afterwards and Otty was just on me and then like we had our first like you know where they um like were showing how to breastfeed and she latched right away so they were happy with that and it was all just yeah it was Aww. it was really surreal they left and we ordered a dominoes and oh no we watched a film in bed <laughs> oh, it's, it's actually it's surreal isn't it I mean I I can definitely relate to that feeling of my daughter was born in the morning as well but 
just before like seven in the morning so a bit earlier but I remember yeah the by nine everyone had left and we were just sat there like oh okay then um yeah I guess like (laughs) just do a normal day shall we like it's just very strange and as well like I did a previous experience of being in the hospital having a baby which is completely different in that you're then in the hospital and it it is different you know you feel like you have just had a baby because you're in the hospital whereas when you're at home it's it's a bit unreal like I you know having a shower in your own shower and then just sitting there with this baby that you've just birthed not you know in this same room not long earlier it is a very surreal but like it's amazing it's such a lovely feeling yeah it's amazing it it really it really like I think once you've had a baby at home it's hard to like imagine having a baby in a hospital environment just because of all of those things and one thing as well with with our private midwives which was like worth its weight in gold was obviously as a first-time parent you are so worried about so many small things all the time because you've got no reference point and so obviously they're just on the other end of the phone and on a whatsapp chat so that first week we probably send them over a hundred videos of her breathing and is this normal (laughs) is this normal she's doing this just everything and they could be like that's completely normal and (laughs) you know in fact it was all normal but I actually think if we hadn't had them I probably would have gone to Annie a couple of times just because you know it's worrying like she was such a she sounded like a little farmyard animal at night like really like labored like piggy breathing Um, and they were just like you know look out for the flared nostrils and the and the concave stomach and all of the signs and she was obviously fine but that yeah. constant reassurance, like all of the time, and we still text them now, you know, it's a forever WhatsApp group. That constant reassurance yeah. is just puts your mind so much at ease yeah. when it's your first time, even second, third yeah. time. How you know, I'm sure yeah. there are always questions, but that that was yeah. really lovely. That's amazing. Like how amazing would it be if we could have that level of of care included like within the NHS? It would be amazing. But, you know, maybe not something that's going to happen anytime soon, but it would be amazing for the future if that could happen, Um, because it does make such a huge difference to your recovery as well. And how you feel, as we said, like postpartum and things like that, just being looked after and supported in that way. It, you know, it just makes such a massive difference. So probably um, wouldn't have succeeded in breastfeeding, I don't think, without them, because she had a really like just rubbish. She was three weeks early. She was drawn this. Um, She was small. I have got massive boobs. And the combination (laughs) was basically tricky. (laughs) Um, She was just like, we had to wake her up. We thought she'd be crying all the time. And she was a silent baby, except for when she slept, um, who we had to wake her up to feed her. You know, it was just like, I guess, typical George's baby. But um, yeah, she just wasn't, she was a reluctant eater, basically. And mm. it's, you know, it's worrying at the start because you know that they need to eat and you don't know how much they're getting. And yeah. um, she just, you know, she'd feed for like a minute and it was just all fall asleep during feeds, yeah. which were constant. So having them as well to like help me with all of that yeah. was really invaluable. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, wow. What an amazing story. I love it. And like, you know, first time being at home. I mean, I have a lot of people that come on and obviously share their stories and that give birth at home. I have a handful that are probably first time parents that have um, been at home, like in that way, giving birth. So it's always lovely to have another because I do have people that say like, have you got any first time 
first timers like, oh. stories that are at home or anything like that um because I think sometimes yeah we feel like oh it's only if you've had a baby that it's gonna go that yeah. smoothly at home but of course that's not the case and it might just be a little bit longer first time um because yeah as we've said your body has never done it before but giving birth at home first time is perfectly like doable as many people do so it's nice to have another yeah another first time home definitely and I also think that you know I know that people love to spout about the risks of home birth and all that kind of thing and when when I told family members and friends Mm. and things a lot of people obviously try to persuade me otherwise but I know that I wouldn't have had the same birth experience in a hospital and I'm not even sure they would have let me push for three hours no um, they probably wouldn't have done in a hospital to be honest no I was told that I probably would have had a c-section well I had a friend who basically had an identical birth um wow. who ended up with a c-section because after two and a half hours they were like you know failure is it do they call it failure to progress mm, yeah where it's like you're not making enough progress so they and obviously you don't you know you can decline all of these things yeah and, um it's obviously your choice but you know I, I know maybe there might have been some pressure for that or who knows yeah. but I know that I made the right decision Wow. Yeah, no, you're right. You know, it could have ended up completely differently um, if you'd yeah. yeah, gone down a kind of more medical, medical route, which would have been a shame because you didn't that none of that would have been necessary as you've just shown, you know, it was perfectly, yeah. um, you know, fine being at home and things like that. Oh, well, thank you so much. That was such a great story. I know that's gonna be really helpful. And I'm just really interested. It's It's nice to know and to hear about private midwives and um you know the massive benefit that that you can bring as well to um you know to your birth and if home birth is seeming like not an option for some reason then yeah perhaps looking down that route you know asking for that as your baby presence I don't know like any way of making it doable could be a, a really good option so thanks for for sharing it all it's really useful no problem at all yeah it's been really nice to chat to you Thank you so much, Sophie. No worries. Thank I'll you. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Sophie for coming on and sharing her story with you guys. Hoping that you found it really useful. As I said, like she is a first time mum giving birth at home, which I know so many of you want to listen to those types of stories. So hopefully that was really useful. And yeah, thank you again to Sophie. Just a reminder that I am available for courses. I do teach. I run courses most months if not every month then every other month they are held over zoom they are able to be accessed worldwide just make sure you check time difference but most of them work quite well um for kind of other countries where I teach so um yeah just have a little look but I'll leave all of the links below for courses and I have my pre-recorded course as well that you guys can um kind of watching your own time uh, like when, when when suits you basically or the live courses as well um and I will see you in two weeks time with a brand new episode 